Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you again. I think it was unexpected to be back this soon. But, if I had not talked with Stephen on the phone and heard him sounding like the guy from the Arby's commercial, I mean, he's like, hey, can you come pre-? Like, who is this? So, he, he, but they're doing better. I texted him, he's doing well. He uh, coughs when he talks a little bit, and so... He's not quite ready to come up here just yet, but he's, they're doing well, so keep praying for them. Um, so yeah, this morning we're going to be looking at Amos chapter 4, and uh, I'm proud of you guys. You're halfway through. You hadn't been burnt up yet. I think y'all just might make it. So. Amos 4. This is a good chapter, uh, but it, uh, remember, it leads into chapter 5, so you're going to be back next week because chapter 5 is really strong and encouraging. Um, but uh, just remember the audience that Amos is speaking to. Uh, these are people who, um, uh, how do you say it, weren't really interested in the things of God, but they were God's people. So the words are strong, so we're just going to get right into it, all right? This is good stuff. Blessed Father, I pray you'd be with us as we read your word. Blessed Spirit, please fill our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's get started. Amos 4, and uh, Stephen had some good, good notes as well and has some good questions in here, and so uh, we'll think about uh, our ears, our hearts, and our knees as we go through this chapter. So um, let's just begin with uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and uh, you guys have kind of been making your way through but uh, I'm afraid it's the ladies who are going to get the, uh, <laughs> the brunt of the message here in chapter 4. Uh, and we'll look at why. Uh, but he says in chapter 4, verse 1, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, wow, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. Okay, the Lord has sworn in his holiness. Uh, the day is coming. The days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks. Okay, we'll look at this uh, a little bit. But uh, this is going to speak to an attitude. This is really going to speak to an attitude. Um, what was necessary to power these people's pleasure was the oppression and abuse of others. That's what God's really getting at here. So, you know, if you want to joke, you could say the ladies were a bit like saying, hey, just give me the money and a margarita and leave the morality at the door. I got things to do, right? It was an attitude that was necessarily hurting other people. And this had gone on and gone on and gone on. And God needed to step in. Um, These people were snuggling up to the very kingdom that was going to wipe them out. Okay? In about two decades after this message was given, the Assyrian army came in and leveled the city of Samaria. Okay? God knows where sin leads. And he warns us, and he warns us, and he warns us, right? Because he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to live in fullness of joy, 
and, uh, and uh, life, abundant life, as Jesus said. So these words in, in Amos that we hear now are strong, but remember they are meant to lead people away from what's going to ruin them because God wants only to bless. Okay? So there you go. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. I'll just go ahead and say, say it, and we'll move on. Uh, these words are meant to get uh, these ladies' attention, and long and the short of it, uh, we're looking at the carnage of war in the message there. So if you want to sum this up in modern language, you might say you'll be carried out in body bags. Sorry, it's brutal, it's awful, but that's what he's saying. He's saying this is coming, stop doing what you're doing. This is uh, not going to end well. Because the very kingdoms that uh, they are modeling themselves after are the very ones who are going to wipe them out. Okay? All right. So in that, here's a question. How are our ears? I was very encouraged to hear all the things that your church has been doing to help those who are in need. Are our ears tuned to the needs of those in our community. Because the people here uh, that you see in Samaria were treating people like commodities. They were things to be used to get what I want. All right? That is the opposite, <laughs> right, of what God's talking about. Uh, just real briefly, Stephen brought this up, and I want to just jump to it because it's so powerful. Isaiah 61, you know this one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right? When Jesus showed up and began his ministry, and you see that in Luke chapter 4? What did he quote? He grabbed the scrolls. He opened them up to what? That. And then said, in your hearing, this day has this been fulfilled. Okay? What God is about, what his character is about, what Jesus is about is the very opposite of what was going on in Samaria. It's the very opposite. So how's our ears? Are we in tune with the needs of others? That's something that, uh, that we can take away from Amos here today. So keep that in mind as we, as we move on, because I'll have a question at the end. Let's keep, let's keep reading in here, though, because uh, here's something else that's interesting. And the next little passage here in, uh, in verse 4, Amos says this. Now, Amos is standing in the city of Bethel. This is their religious center. Okay, He says this. Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened, and proclaim freewill offerings. Publish them, for so you love to do, O people of Israel. Well, they were religious. They were very religious people. Um, something to, 
to maybe consider here, this is interesting. Uh, in these verses, God said something similar to what he said in Hosea and Joel. He was not looking for some half-hearted religious response. He can't be bought. He isn't dazzled by money and flattery through empty religious action and pompous ceremonies. But that's what they loved, right? They loved the show of it. God Almighty is uh, likely counted as little more than other man-made deities that they appealed to for blessing in that city. In modern terms, we might say this. Come to church, and by doing so, sin, because your ways are wicked. Sing your heart out. Dress up. Have high church with all your robes and finery designed to impress. They impress you. They don't impress me. You love your religious show, but you do not love me at all. You are cruel to my children and pound them into the dust of the earth for your own pleasure. The days are coming when I will put a stop to this myself. That's a little way maybe we can translate some of what God's saying there. It's, it's harsh, but it's, it's good to hear. It's good to hear because it's easy. It's easy to uh, kind of sideline the work of God even in church communities, for what makes us feel important or spiritual. I hear that a lot, spiritual, not religious. You hear a lot about social justice. You hear a lot about uh, being your best self, all these kinds of things that, that keep rolling around in our culture. But, sorry, but the work of God is sidelined. The work of God among us, the work of God that was done through you fellows. So, it brings something to my mind. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? He actually gave two of them. But do you remember what they were? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, let's look at this. What are, these, uh, what are these ladies doing there? How's love your neighbor as yourself going? I'll say, well, right? All right, how about their, their worship? How they're treating God and they're pouring out their love to God in worship. How's that going? Not going so well, right? When Jesus uh, was talking about these verses, he said, these are the two greatest commandments, and upon them all of the law and the prophets hang. So when you see Jesus um, just uh, really torn up about what was going on in his day, you can transfer that to Amos in his day, and we can also look at it in our own day. There's something that sticks out in my mind um, Malachi and Hebrews 13, 15 both say something and they talk about one big word that is so important when we, when we come to the Lord on Sundays, when we gather together, when we serve in his name. And that word is genuine. Genuine. 
That means we don't hide the broken. We celebrate the victories, all of these things together. It's genuine worship that he's after. I'll let you guys read Malachi because you'll love it. Also a minor prophet. But um, the whole book is about genuinely approaching God in worship, especially from the leadership. But that's just really a, a key thing that, that stuck out to me. So one thing that, that Stephen said is in this passage, he says, well, then how's your heart? So how's your ears? Are we in tune with the needs of those around us who may be hurting, who need us? What about our heart as we approach God in worship? These are things that Amos is bringing to the surface because there may be things that we need to think about as well. All right, let's keep going here. Look at Amos chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 through 11. This is where it's really going to come to a head. This is the good stuff. Before I get into 6 to 11, I want to, hey, minor prophets, we love them. I want to look at Hosea real quick. Hosea chapter 2, before I get into Amos 4. Uh, okay, if you've read Hosea... Uh, you kind of you may know the story that um, God is uh, painting a broken family picture of His relationship between Him and His people here, and the language is strong. Okay, so He calls what is being done by His people to Him and to others as nothing less than prostitution. So He uses some some of that language in here. So I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm just going to read the Bible. Okay. So, there we go. But let's look at, uh, at Hosea, chapter 2, starting verse 5. And I'm just going to look at a couple of verses here. But this is going to be uh, real interesting. For their mother, meaning the leadership of Israel, spiritual, political, the mother has played the whore who has conceived them, the children, the people of Israel who have to live under their leadership and has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. I will go after them because the blessings that I have been given came from them. The uh, success in business has come from them. The well-to-do um, position that I find myself in came from somewhere else. Or it may have come from me because I'm so smart, right? Look at this. Look at verse 7. She shall pursue her lovers but not overtake them. And she shall seek them, because, uh, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, oh, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain and the wine and the oil and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal 
God poured out his blessing on his people. And his people credited everything else but God. His people. He poured out his blessing on them. Okay, and we're going to go to Amos. It's going to be a little different. Okay? Let's go back to Amos here and see what Amos says starting in verse 6. Let's just read through this, okay? I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, meaning uh, there was no meat to eat. There was nothing to get stuck in your teeth, right? (laughs) Your teeth were clean because there was no meat to get stuck in there. We're talking about want. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, And lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain. The other for which did not rain would wither. So that two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied yet. You did not return to me, declares the Lord. Let's keep going. I struck you with blight and mildew and many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees. The locusts devoured yet. What? You did not return to me. I said among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with a sword. And carried away your horses, I made the stench of your camp go up to your nostrils. Yet, you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you, as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. As you were a brand plucked out of the burning. Yet, you did not return to me. In Hosea, we see God pouring out blessing on his people and his people wanted nothing to do with God in Amos we see God bringing want and hardship and difficulty because his people would not pursue him and still whether blessing or want they wanted nothing to do with God okay And then we've got the most, <laughs> one of the most terrifying verses in the Bible next. <laughs> okay? Because God needed to step in. Here we go. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Wow. Wow. Okay, before we get into that, there's something that sticks to sticks out to me here in blessing or in want. There is something that can tie those two together that is indicative of our walk with the Lord. And it's, it's a word that can be difficult, but that word is thankfulness. If there's one thing I think for me that really highlights my walk and how, <laughs> how much God is on my mind is how thankful I am. Whether in blessing or in want. 
If I'm in a time where God is blessing and I don't have thankfulness, I'm doing just like these people. This all comes from me. I deserve this. I earned it. Or this is coming from somewhere else. If it's in want and I do not have a thankful heart, I'm going to blame God. I'm going to blame myself. I'm going to blame somebody else. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to have an awful attitude. Uh, But if I'm looking back at God's blessing and looking forward to his, his, uh, his good guidance and deliverance that will come in a time of hardship and want, that thankfulness is there. That's the indicator. If thankfulness is there, I think uh, we're probably not walking in the ways of Amos' people. Okay? Just wanted to, to point that out. Um, but uh, during this time, God's people were being abused by the powerful elites in business and in politics. And God had had enough. His name and theirs was being dragged through the mud. So this terrifying verse is one that we see. Prepare to meet your God. That would get my attention, I think. God coming near in Scripture typically is a wonderful thing. That is what we see in Christ our Lord, right? God with us. This is uh, something that's difficult for us to, and I'm going to close up with this, this is something that's difficult for us to, to think about. But Amos brings it to the fore because God brings it to the fore, and it is, uh, it's, it's uh, hard to think about, but it's, it's something that uh, is, is there. It's the wrath of God. It's the wrath of God. As followers of Christ, one thing we can be thankful for is that in his sacrifice, what did he do with the wrath of God for our sins who trust in him? He took it on himself. Did God pour out his fearsome, awful, terrifying wrath on sin. Yes, he did. He poured it out on his son, Jesus, for you and for me and for all who trust in his name. That we can be thankful for. But there's a time coming when uh, judgment will, uh, will, will be there and those who don't know Christ as Savior will meet that wrath, that should um, encourage us to share Christ with those we love the most. <clears throat> Prepare is the word that he used. Get ready. Um, one thing that sticks out to me about that is the conversations that I've had with several people who will read verses like this and other verses in the Minor Prophets especially, and they will think that God is mean, angry, uh, ready to throw down lightning bolts and strike people down and stuff like that. But one, uh, one passage that I direct them to and one that I will close on today is one that's found in Luke. Luke chapter 12. And this is going to tie in well, I think, with Amos. 
But Luke 12, starting in verse 4. Jesus himself says these words, okay? And this is going to help us to understand, yes, the wrath of God on sin, but also his character, okay? We're going to highlight these two things, and then we're done. Jesus saying this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Okay, there's one. That sounds a lot like Amos, (laughs) right? But Hang on. Here's the two things that I want to look at. Here's the first one. Know with whom you have to do. Know who you're dealing with, right? I think that's something that Amos is really bringing up. That's something that Jesus brings up here. But then the very next sentence in Jesus' teaching is this. Right after that, when he says, fear him, the next sentence is what? Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Then he says this, fear not. For you are worth more than many sparrows. In the same paragraph. Fear him. Don't be afraid. How is that possible? You need to plug this in when you're reading Amos and when you're reading all the minor prophets. Know who you're dealing with. But know what he's like. Know his character. Yes, (laughs) it's God you're dealing with here. But what's he like? What's he like is this. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing about it. And you are worth more than many sparrows. The hairs of your head are numbered. He loves you dearly. His eye is on the sparrow, right? You know the song. So as we wrap up here and go through the very last words in, uh, in chapter 4, God reminds his people who he is, Right? The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Know who you're dealing with. But know what he's like. Know how tender, know how loving, how forgiving, merciful, affectionate he is as God. Yes, he's this. (laughs) But know what he's like. Plug that in as you go through Amos. And as you get into Amos chapter 5, you're really going to see what he's like. Now, in Amos chapter 4, <laughs> we got this one, right? We got this. But we're going to see both as we get into here. And so the last thing that, that Stephen really said, um, how's your knees? 
So we talked about our ears. Are we in tune with the needs of others in our community, in our church? How is your heart in relating to God in genuine worship? And then finally, how's your knees in confession? In praying for others who are in need to hear the gospel and be saved. In all of these things, how's your knees? That's the last thing that we could say about that. I hope that uh, that uh, that kind of helps you uh, at this midpoint of Amos to lead you through because there are brighter skies. There are brighter skies at the end of Amos. But I hope that this has been encouraging for you today. Difficult word, but uh, I enjoyed being here with you and, uh, and talking about the good character of a good God. Amen. Okay, let's close up. Blessed Father, I thank you so much for even your strong words in Scripture. I pray, Lord, that these would draw us to your side with more speed than even your most tender words because we know your character. We know what you are like. And we know that your desire is always first to bless your much-beloved sons and daughters. I pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' name, for your glory's sake, in whom we place our trust today. Amen.